0: Research and found out that identity theft we've all heard about this, we've seen it on T V and some. You know, identity theft is one of the fastest rising crimes in the world at the moment and according to Australian Bureau of Statistics, one in five people have had their identity stolen to some degree. Uh, whether that be credit card fraud, skimming, whether that be uh, uh, more than that, people taking out home loans using somebody's credit rating and name, name and information and so on. There's a whole gamut of stuff out there. One in five Australians apparently have been impacted by identity fraud. So that means that... One, two, three, four. Statistically, five or six of you in this room have been impacted by identity fraud, by identity theft. Why would you want to steal someone's identity? Why would you want to take somebody's identity? Well, it's pretty obvious to the thief because if I get your identity, I get access to all that's yours. If I can steal your identity, then I can get access to everything that's yours. If I can steal real identity, get the information that I need, I can take out a home loan in his name. I could uh, go to a bank and withdraw all of his money and walk out, walk in that front door, walk out that front door with all of his money being handed to me by some unsuspecting person behind a counter. Whatever is his, if I can get a hold of his identity, I can have access to all that is his. So people are out there stealing identity. The identity is not the issue, it's what the identity means. If I have your identity, I can possess that which is yours. I look around the world today and I think people have an identity crisis. People are trying to work out, who am I? Who am I? There are so many things in the world today bombarding people. And, you know, particularly if you're young in this room this morning, I'm talking to you as well. There are so many things out there trying to tell you who you are and trying to tell you who you should be and what you should look like and how you will fit in. And it's all about trying to sell an identity to you, to get you to buy into if you look like this or wear this or if you have these things or act like this or listen to this music or whatever, you, you'll be able to create this in this identity. Um, anyone ever uh, remember a band? I'm just thinking of it now as I'm talking. I uh, can't remember the band, but they Pretty Fly for a White Guy. Anyone remember that song, Pretty Fly for a White Guy? I can't remember the band, but Pretty Fly... But anyway, the film clip is funny because it's this dirty dude who's just, it, it, as the song says, Pretty Fly for a White Guy. So it's this white dude, and he puts his on backwards. He's got all the chains and everything, and he goes into the sort of ghetto neighbourhoods of the States, and he's just trying to be cool. You know, they're all there doing their rap dancing and stuff, and he clears the floor and starts to dance like this. And it's just a very funny film clip. But again, it paints a visual picture of this guy who just doesn't fit there, but he's trying to create this identity, trying to make himself into something that he actually isn't. And that can be a really, really tiring process. So I want to talk a little bit this morning. If I titled my messages, which I don't, you all know that I'm too lazy to think of a title. But if I did, I would call it the reborn identity this morning. I want to talk a little bit about the reborn Identity. If you've got a Bible there, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says this. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... Say that word, anyone. Anyone. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If anyone is in Christ... He could be a new creation. Is that what it says? If anyone is in Christ, he might be a new creation. Is that what it says? If anyone is in Christ, he has the opportunity to become a new creation. Does it say that? To me, that's a definite statement. And I've checked it out in a few different versions, and you're going to get the same message. If anyone is in Christ, he is. He is. He is a new creation. I want to say something to you this morning. If you're here and you found your place of peace in Jesus and you've come to him and you've laid down your life and you've accepted that he died for you and chosen that you would live for him, then you are right now a new creation. Now, when I say that to some of you, some of you are probably thinking about maybe your conversion process. You know, Some of us, when we came to faith in Christ, instantly everything changed. Anyone like that here? You woke up the next day and everything changed straight away. You just had this major epiphany. You stopped drinking. You stopped taking drugs. You stopped beating on people. You stopped doing all kinds of destructive things. Overnight, it just happened for you. Some people have that story. Some people don't. For some people, it's a gradual thing. I like the way Jesus describes the kingdom of God. When you look at the way Jesus would talk about the kingdom, he said it's like a mustard seed. How many of you have ever planted a garden and you put a seed in the ground? How many of you know that you don't put that in the garden, put a little bit of water on it, say a prayer, wake up the next day, and there's a 10-foot oak tree there? And if it has happened for you, you've had a jack-in-the-beanstalk type of experience, tell me about it because I'd, I'd love to know the seeds you're using because things generally don't even grow when I plant them. So even a little bit of growth would be a good thing for me. But most of us, the kingdom of God comes into us like a mustard seed. It comes in and Jesus says this, it goes on in and he said, it starts out as a tiny seed. Before you know it, it's so big that it's providing shelter and rest for the birds of the air and people. But it starts out as nothing gradually grows. And for many of us, that's our experience of our growth in Christ, in Christianity. It's it's a gradual thing. It didn't happen as a big bang, but gradually. And over time, I look back and go, you know what? Six months ago, I would have responded really bad in that situation. And now, all of a sudden, I'm responding differently. Thank you, Jesus. It's that mustard seed. It's the kingdom of God slowly growing on the inside of us. But while the change in the practical, natural world may take time, this... The the, the spiritual reality is this. The moment you came to Christ, you were a new creation. That's it. We sit there and we judge ourselves and we go, oh, nothing's changed, I'm exactly the same. No, you're not. Whose word are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the word of God or are you going to believe your own feelings? Are you going to believe all the voices in your head? Are you going to listen to yourself, criticize and ridicule and put you down? The voice of your past that wants to criticize and pull you back and hold you down. Keep you to be a person that you were once before and and make you convinced that you can't escape from being that person because that's who you're always going to be. Are you going to listen to the voice of the devil? Who, by the way, doesn't stop speaking to you just because you're saved? He continues to whisper into your head. Every time you make a mistake or a failure, he'll say to you, new creation, huh? Really? Really? Come on. Who are you kidding? Who are you kidding? You're only fooling yourself, you know. Or are you going to listen to the word of God? A God who doesn't change. A God who is the same yesterday, today and forever. A God who didn't wake up today having a bad day, get out of bed on the wrong side, feel a bit different about you today because of his own emotional state and change his judgment of you. Or are you going to listen to the word of God who doesn't change? A God who before you were born fashioned you in your mother's womb, knew who you were, Now, there's this amazing verse in, uh, I I think it's Jeremiah. We all know it, where God says to Jeremiah, he says, Before you were born, I formed you. I fashioned you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I called you. He didn't wait for Jeremiah to do something good, to prove himself, to show that he could be holy, and then call him. He said, no, 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 when you were in your mother's womb, before you even came forth, I had a plan. It's not based on your performance. It's not based on anything but the fact that, you know what, I already decided that I love you. Before you had a chance to impress me, I've already made my decision about you, you're pretty good. You're pretty good. Before Jesus even did anything publicly in ministry, raised the dead, before he turned water into wine, before he did anything miraculous, cleansed the lepers, before he stood in front of the Pharisees and challenged them with superior wisdom, he got baptized. And the Spirit descended upon him and a voice said this from heaven, this is what? My son, whom I am well pleased. Not this is my son. Now I'm going to keep an eye on him and see how he goes and I'll make a decision in about a week. Now that you're filled with the Spirit, now that you're baptized, I just want to see how you handle it. And then I'm going to make a decision, but I'll be, you know, a bit like Father Christmas. You know, I'm watching. I know when you're sleeping. I know when you're awake. If you're good, you'll get something. And if you're not, you won't. He said, no. This is my beloved son and I'm well pleased in him before he did anything that we would traditionally these days term ministry. He said to Jeremiah, I called you in your mother's womb. I called you before you even proved that you're worthy of being called because that is how much God loves us. That is how God sees us. That is the the passion with which God views us through his eyes. We can't earn it. We can't work our way into it. Our job is to simply accept it by faith. And when we accept it by faith, we allow that truth to transform us. That is what the kingdom of God is. He's not asking the question, He's saying you are a new creation. That word, actually, if you break that word down in the original Greek, it literally means a brand new creation. Imagine if, if I came to you and I gave you a car and it needed you know, it just needs some repairs. You've got to put new tires on it, give it a new paint job. Um, you can put new carpet in it, take the seats there, put new seats, refurb the whole thing and bring it out and it looks brand new. A total refurb. Now, that would be Awesome. But that's not even what the Greek word means. The Greek word literally means, no, no, I'm not going to refurb the car. The old car's been thrown away. We've chucked a match in the petrol tank. It's blown up and I've given you a brand spanking new car that's never been used. That's the picture that is being painted in the Greek language. That's you. When you came to faith in Christ, you are a brand spanking new person. That's the spiritual reality and the spiritual truth that we need to lay a hold of Understanding that we have a new identity that's found in God. An identity that's found in Jesus Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. Now, some of you are sitting there and you're struggling with it because you're thinking of all the things that you think are still the old. And you're listening to the voices in your head pulling you back to that, anchoring you back to those moments in your life where you fell short, those moments in your life where perhaps you failed. And maybe that was this morning when you got out of bed. It's all right, we're in church, we can do this. We can take the masks off and be real. And be honest, because the only person we're hiding from is the guy that sees straight through, he's got X-ray vision, this God of ours, you know? We're, I can't remember who it was, one of the old um, uh, early church fathers said that, that we're performing to an audience of one and that's really it, it's him, it's his approval, it's, it's what he sees that matters. He sees through all the fallacy and the masks and the fakeness and so on. People don't. I I can pretend to be whoever I want to you, but you know what? I live with this nagging reality that no matter what I portray to you or what I pretend and what I allow you to see, he knows the truth. And that's what matters. So the best thing is to just be honest. But in order to be honest, I've got to make a decision. I've got to get my head around the fact that, okay, if I'm honest and I bear all and I just be who I am, I've got to be honest enough to accept the fact that God in his infinite wisdom chooses to still love me. And I struggle with that. It's a hard truth. But it's only hard when I continue to hold my own identity in this world, in this life. When I begin to realize I'm a new creation, when I begin to lay a hold of the spiritual reality of the transaction that took place and lay a hold of and dare to believe that I'm a new creation. Then I set myself up for something fantastic. What's so important about identity? I'll tell you what to me is so pivotal about identity. It's this. Identity births destiny. Your identity will give way to your destiny. When you know who you are, it opens doors of possibility to you for change. Possibility for transformation. Possibility for healing, possibility to be successful, possibility to overcome. But certain identities don't open those doors. Certain identities keep you locked in, keep you trapped in. How many of you have ever been in family situations or have seen people in family situations where somebody makes some choices in their life, I'm not going to go that way anymore, I'm going to break the cycle and go a different direction... And the people around them dig their claws in and try to drag them back into that place. Why? Because if we can keep you here, you'll head in the same direction as us. If you break out, it shows us something. It takes away our excuse as to why we are who we are, why we continue to struggle, how we struggle, why we continue to do the same things, repeat the cycles. If you break out of it, that shows us that our excuses are gone. We've got a really, really good friend of ours who grew up playing football with, uh, with our eldest boy, Caleb. Uh, he got a contract, I won't say his name, he, he got a contract with a, a rugby league club a few years ago and uh, he's gone up there and he'll be playing first grade this year, you'll be watching him run around on your TV screens, lovely guy. But I remember he came back uh, to, 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 to Ballina, to the area and I remember having a conversation with him, I went to a presentation night one night and I'm sitting there w- with, with my son and, and the presentation's going on and after the presentations everyone's sort of sitting around and he came and he sat down next to me and I said to me, how you going? And he said, oh, he said, it's so hard. I said, what's, what's hard, you know? He said, well, I turned up here tonight and he said, I go and I get my money from the club for playing the games I played. And he said, as soon as I get that envelope in my hand, he said, my family and friends, they're all on me. Oh, give me some money. Come on. Oh, come on, if you're a real friend. You're a and he's, he's sitting there going, I've worked hard for this. I want to put it into an account and I want to start to save a deposit for home. But because of those around him coming in and invading in, before you know it, the envelope's empty. The only way he's ever going to break out of that cycle, he realised was, I've got to get out of town. I've got to get far away from here, from the people around me, because all they want to do is drag me back into the cycle. They want my identity to be the same as theirs. Because if my identity stays the same as theirs, my destiny will stay the same. And so he had to break out of that cycle. And we all know people like that. We've all seen that. Maybe some of us have experienced that where you've had to change your identity in order to shape the possibility of a new destiny, a new future for your life. In Genesis chapter 1, there's an interesting uh, play that goes on. Verse uh, 26 and 27. Can we work it up on the screen there, Luke? Genesis 1, 26 and 27. This gives us a little bit of an insight into how important image is, how important de- uh, identity sorry, is. Then God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. In two verses, in verse 26, what's the first thing God tells us about man? The very first thing he lets us know. This is the first mention of man in the Bible. What does he say first? We're made in his image. The very first thing God tells man is, this is your identity. You're mine. You're created in my image, in my likeness. There's your identity. The very first thing God wanted us to know was identity. The second thing was, then let them have dominion. The second thing was what they were going to do, but the first thing was who they were. Who they were. Created in the image of God. That's the first thing God wanted us to know. And then in verse 27, if we go to the next one, he says it there, he starts with identity, then he goes into destiny, and then he finishes again with identity, and he stresses identity. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, three times he reminds us. He starts with identity, he finishes with identity, and in between that is destiny. Here's what you'll do. This is how important identity is. God wants us to know that our identity is found in Him. Now, what's even more interesting, if we go across to chapter 3, verse 5, if you've got that there, Luke. Genesis 3, verse 5. What's the first thing the devil went for? In the Garden of Eden. Went straight for their identity. Did, what, did God really say you can't eat any tree? Yeah, God said we can't And look what the devil says. God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and what? Then you'll be like God. Then you'll find your identity in God. If you just do this, then you'll find your identity. Your identity doesn't come out of what you do. It comes out of who you are. Children created in the image of a loving father. That's our identity. But our forefathers, Adam and Eve, threw it away and lost their identity. They lost their identity. And then we get here 2,000 years later. And we live in a world right now where I don't think there's ever been a greater identity crisis and I don't think there's ever been more things screaming at people telling you who you should be and telling you who you are. Because if the devil can take away your identity, confuse your identity, he can take away your destiny. He can take away that which God saved you for, that which God wants to do with you. Identity... Birth's Destiny. You ever seen those documentaries with the children who go searching for their parents? Anyone ever watch? You get a lot of them on uh, uh, SBS and ABC, they do the documentaries, where, and, and, and they go around and they're trying to find their parents. And, and one common theme I see in those movies, and I've read books with people, and, and the common theme is this they feel stuck, like I can't go forward in life till I know where I came from. In other words, I need to find my identity before I can go forward into my destiny. And there's this thing that's been hanging around me for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, and I can't go forward because I don't know who I am. Identity is so incredibly important. And we need to learn to find our identity in the right places. Because if we're not intentional about finding our identity, the world will throw an identity at you. Here, what are some of the places that people go to find out their identity? Here's the thing: some people find out what they have. Some people find their identity in their possessions. I drive a Lexus. <laughs> I drive my Lexus. I eat in the best restaurants. I wear suits, ties, nice. nice suits. No, I don't. I know. No. Who am I kidding? People find their identity in the things they have, the toys, the big toys and and, and all this stuff. How many of you know that we're we're not in control of that stuff as much as we think we are? How many of you know you can own a Lexus, but all it takes is one spark near a petrol tank, and you don't own a Lexus anymore? You can own the flashiest house in the flashiest of suburbs. How many of you know all it takes is a bushfire, and you don't own a house, the flashiest house? We're not as in control of these things as what we think we are. Now, I'm not saying anything against having nice cars and homes. and possessions. I mean, if you have a chance to have a nice car and a rubbish car, take the nice one. It's going to be better for you. You ever have the chance to live in a nice neighbourhood and are not saying, so nice? hey, take the nice neighbourhood. It's great. I'm all for that. I've got no problem with it. But what I'm saying is you don't find your identity in the things that you have because the things that you have are temporal and they can be taken away with your permission or without your permission. It happens in life and it happens every day to people. Some people find it in who they want to be. Some people find an identity in who they want to be. This is the biggest danger today that we face with social media. People are trying to create an image that they can sell to the world. This is who I am. This is who I am. My marriage is fantastic. Matter of fact, it's probably a lot better than all yours. Look at the pictures look what we did this morning. We got up at five and notice the Bible on the table there with the coffee cup, my wife's hands clasped. We prayed. What did you do? This is our roll My children got up at six and joined us for an hour. Look at the picture. Here's my children at the youth camp, smiling, all clean, Look at me at work, surrounded by people looking at me. me The big medal in the picture, look at me, I'm the best worker. Look at my house. Look at my kitchen. My goodness, that's a clean kitchen. It's sparkling because I just keep it all nice and polished. Look at my Instagram. Look at our wonderful holidays. And people sit back and go, why is my life not like that? Why can't you be more like that? Look at this. Look what she bought him. Why can't you buy me one of those? According to, according to a Facebook page, she does it every week. You're lucky to do it once a year for me. People are out there portraying this image, trying to create an identity. Yeah, what's that movie you had to watch for uni? No, it wasn't that one. Um, Catfish or something, was it? Yeah, I'm not recommending the film. Just quietly, I'm not recommending the movie. But for Jackie's university degree, she had to watch this movie, and it was about this young girl that created this profile on Facebook and would upload pictures of the art she was painting and the, all this stuff. Cut a long story short, it was one of those um, documentary, uh, what do they call them, mockumentaries, where the guy, you know, outplays it. And cut a long story short, he goes, travels halfway across the states, finds this girl, realizes when he meets this woman that's the complete polar opposite of the picture and the images and everything that this is actually her. But because she gets no recognition in her natural world and her life is boring and she lives on a farm and her husband's a bit of a meathead and so on, she created this image online. And all of a sudden, all these people like you. And all these people want to talk to you. And all these people want to be your friend and all this stuff, you see. I'm reading a book at the moment by an American pastor called Steve Furtick and he makes this statement. I wrote it down. He says this, he says, we are comparing our behind the scenes with everybody else's highlights reel. I thought, what an amazing statement. I watch your highlights reel online, the image that you want me to see of you, the identity you want to portray. I look at that and then I look at my behind the scenes and go, oh, it doesn't match up. Well, you're so much better, your life's so... to be careful of how much time you spend on that thing. I'm not saying don't go on it, but I'm saying be careful about allowing it to shape your identity, make you feel good or bad about yourself. Be very careful. You're only seeing what people want you to see. Some people find it in their own faults. Some people find a sense of identity in their own faults what they do wrong, their mistakes, their, their shortcomings, their failures. You know, I remember sitting on my balcony one day with a guy, he's gone back probably 10, 15 years ago, having a chat with him and he struggled with a particular type of mental illness. It was a genuine struggle for this guy. And we're talking and every time he would talk about himself, he would say, I am blah. I am blah. I am blah. And he kept saying it and it got me angry. My spirit rose up and I said, then stop that. I said, here's who you are. You're a human being made in the image of God Struggles with that. Stop identifying yourself and getting your identity out of that problem. But a lot of us do it. We identify, we get our identity out of our mistakes, our faults, our shortcomings, the things that aren't good about us. Some of us find our identity in our own achievements. I remember, um, if any of you follow rugby league, Andrew Johns in his biography talks about life after football. And after football, he said he hit the drugs and he hit all sorts of things. He's the best rugby league player in the world. And when he got out of football, he suddenly realised he woke up one day and said, I don't know who I am. I only know me as Andrew Johns, the footballer. When when the achievement was taken away, he said, I crashed and burned because I didn't know who I was. And some people find their identity in what they achieve and in what they do. Some people find it in their lifestyle. And it's not just the wealthy. Some people that, 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 you know, I'm just blue collar. I'm just a battler. That's just me. I'm just... You know? And we find this sense of identity in that. And the problem is that that where we identify, we generally create a destiny there. We stay in that place and we don't try to break free. We don't try to go, oh, people like me never. What does that mean? What that means to me is you've identified, you found your identity in that thing. That's what you're really saying to me, oh, people like me don't have that opportunity. People like us don't get out there. People like us. So you found your identity here and you're settling for it. Well, you're looking in the wrong place. So that brings me to the question where should we as believers be looking for our identity i think the best example is found in luke chapter 4 jesus tends to do things well so if we're looking for an example to follow jesus i think is a pretty good one and in luke chapter 4 verse 16 to 19 says this it says so he came to nazareth where he'd been brought up and as his custom was he went into the synagogue on the sabbath day and he stood up to read And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah and when he had opened the book he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Christy, do you want to come back? I'm about to finish up. The Bible says that Jesus went back to where he always lived. He went back to Nazareth. But he didn't find his identity by going back to where he always lived. It says that he went back and he did what he always did, as was his custom. He went to the synagogue. But he didn't find his identity in what he was doing. And the Bible says they handed him the scroll and he picked up the scroll of Isaiah. And the Bible says he found. Don't lose that word. He found. They didn't hand him that and go, this is the scripture reading for today. He found it. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. What did he do? He went into the word of God and he found what it said about him. He found his identity in what God had to say about him. Let me encourage you as we kick off this year, we kickstart a couple of weeks into it, but we're going places this year. And I'm not just talking about us as a church. But it, I'm talking about as individuals, as people, as children of God. God's got things for us. I think, I, I sometimes have this sense of frustration. I feel this sense of frustration from heaven sometimes. Sometimes I feel like God's sitting there going, you know what, I feel like, I just want to shake my people sometimes, because it's almost like we're over here going, "Yeah, we got buildings and we got money and we got and we got, and we, got and we got big conferences we run and we got TV ministries and we've we got all these things," but over here. we've got the reality of God interacting with us and God's saying you can have all that stuff and try to change the world but you won't but if you can lay hold of me if you can do something so simple as just dare to believe what I say and let me get a hold of you that can change the world Changed people, changed the world. And I want to keep my focus this year. I want to make sure that as I go forward and God begins to add things to my world and do things in my life, I want to make sure that I keep my focus right. I want to, this year, get into the Word of God, not just to find rules, what should I be doing? Or what should I stop doing, God? God. I want to get into that book like Jesus and I want to find where I am. Because God says some pretty awesome things about me. And here's the thing, it's not exclusive about me. I, re- I reckon as I read it, he's saying, "Yeah, that's. it's not just yours. Alan. I'm going to treat it like it's mine. So it's good. But you're not exclusive. He says, I love you. He says, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You weren't slapped together with leftovers. God took the best ingredients, put you together. You might not feel that way and you might not think that way all the time, but that's the truth. Who are you going to believe? Which voice? Which word? Yours or his? He says he knows the numbers of hairs on your head. That's intimate. That's intimate. He says, I know the very thoughts of your heart. The good, the bad, and the ugly. The magnificent seven and the not so magnificent seven. I know it all. None of that stuff changes who you are. See, if you really want to change, here's my challenge to you. Have the guts to believe what he says about you. Proverbs 23, 7 says this, As a man thinks, so he is. Well, I think some pretty awful things about myself, if I'm blatantly honest with you. But I've got to keep coming back to this and going, well, if my thought doesn't line up with this, one's right and one's wrong. And I know enough about myself to know I've got it wrong a few times. And I know enough about God to know I can't really pick a time where He have got it wrong, so... Statistically, I'm going to have to go with him. Amen? When you get home today, I want to ask you to do something for me. I want you to get out a blank piece of paper. And I want you to write these words on it. I want you to write, God says I am. God says I am. You don't have to do this, but I think it would be good. And then what I want you to do is every week this year, 50 odd weeks left, I want you to find one verse in the Word of God where God says something about you, that He loves you, that you're the head and not the tail, that you're the apple of His eye. Find one verse. And on that sheet of paper, write, God says, I am loved. God says, I am Put that piece of paper somewhere safe. Keep it this week just write you one thing and each day I want you to go back to it and I want you to look at it but before you go to work whatever. just get out and say God says I am loved just say it to yourself let your ears hear it let your voice speak it out let your ears hear it let it go into your heart and next week when you get your second thing start your day by saying God says I am loved and God says I am accepted and each week get one thing by the end of the year you'll have about 50 things it might take you about 3 minutes 2 minutes in the morning but tell yourself because here's the thing somebody's speaking to you you're getting fed stuff every day about who you are. When we come to church, we spend 20 minutes, 30 minutes listening to someone talk. Or today I've probably gone a bit longer than normal. But then you're going to walk away from here and for most of this week you're going to hear a whole bunch of other stuff and most of it won't line up with that. So if you're not deliberate about it, you'll get swamped. God loves you guys. And he has a great year planned for us. Amen. We are special. We are made in his image. And do not let the devil rob you of your destiny by robbing you of your identity. Father, I want to thank you this morning, Lord, that uh, God, you are honestly, acutely, acutely aware of what we think about ourselves. God, you are acutely aware of our insecurities, of our fears. God, you are aware of the lies that the enemy feeds us every day. God, you are aware of the times where we overcome those things, but God, you're also aware of the times where we surrender and we go, it's just too hard, it's too persistent, it's just coming so fast at me that maybe, maybe that voice is right. And God, I just pray. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would encourage us in those moments to go to the Word of God. You would take us to the places we need to go that we can see the truth. God, the truth that exposes every lie, whether it be from the, directly from the voice of hell or whether it just be through workmates or family or friends. The lies, God, that get fed to us every day through society, through the television, the media. Holy Spirit, bring us back to your Word. Show us who we are. Show us how you see us. And God, give us the faith to dare to actually believe it, not just know words, recite poems, but to believe in our heart that God, this is true. This is who you say I am and I'm going to declare it and I'm going to walk in it and I'm going to begin to live it out. I'm going to begin to act as if it's 100% true, no matter how I feel, no matter what's going on around me, no matter what the responses I get from the world, I'm going to live as if this is true. I'm going to act it out and I'm going to trust Holy Spirit that the more I do that, more the wind of the spirit will come behind and before you know it you'll just wake up and you just won't even have to tell yourself you'll just wake up and know. you'll look in the mirror and go my goodness you're loved See, look at that man he is accepted in blood. look at that man he is the head not the tail look at that man he is anointed look at that woman she is blessed we thank you Father in Jesus name Amen we're finished up here. Please feel free. You don't have to rush off. We've got more tea and coffee up there. What I want to do this morning, though, I do want to open up the front here. We'd love to pray for people this morning. I started off this morning talking about expectation. I've got, I've got a real expectation here this year that God wants to do something. God wants to do stuff in our hearts. God wants to do stuff in our lives. And I believe in the power of prayer. And I believe in the power of impartation as well. So we want to open up the front here this morning. We'd love to pray. If you've got any needs, I believe in a God that heals. I believe in a God that delivers. I believe in a God that answers our prayers. Well, we want to stand with you this morning and pray with you. No pressure. You don't have to. If you need to go, that's fine. If you want to have a coffee, tea, chat, hang around. Please feel free to do that. Have a fantastic week. And we look forward to catching up with you either in connect group during the week, if you connect on, or back here on Sunday at church. Bless you, God. Thank you.